Today I am finishing up our series called Success 2010. And the title of my message is Worship Will Lead to Success. Worship Will Lead to Success. Right after I got saved, the first area in the church I started serving was with our youth worship team. Uh, my youth pastor found out that I was in choir and that I liked to sing, and I was a, a decent singer. And so he came up to me and was like, hey, would you like to lead worship? And I was like, no. <laughs> no, I don't think I would like that. I, I instantly got like nerves and nervous and scared. And he's like, man, I think you really should pray about it. I think you do a really good job. And I was like, all right, I'll, I'll pray about it. And, you know, praying through it, I, I really felt like, man, yeah, that was what God was calling me to do and to stretch me, get out of my comfort zone. And uh, so I started leading worship for our youth ministry every Wednesday. And I, I wish I could tell you that from the get-go, I mean, I was just knocking it out the park. I mean, I was like Brian Rush, you know, lead me to the cross. I mean, I wish I was just rocking it, tearing it up, but it was tough. I mean, I'm used to singing like choir, you know, where I'm singing like, and I was a bass, you know, I'm like, all that have life and breath. You know, I'm singing like these low, and now i got to learn to like sing up like praise. You know, and so it was tough. Like they had to like put a CD on, and I had to like sing with the CD, and it's like me and Daryl Evans trading my sorrows. And I was even trying to sing it like I'm like, I'm trading my sorrow because he has like a real raspy voice. And I mean, I was struggling. First night I led worship, I cracked a bunch of times. I mean, it was horrible. One time when I was leading worship, I started singing a different song. I got our order of songs mixed mixed up. You know what I mean? And so it's, it's like they're playing lead me to the cross and I'm like trying to sing some other song. And I mean, it was like, it was a mess, but you know what? I kept doing it and I kept, my heart was right and I kept getting better at it. And our youth worship team actually became very, very good. Uh, we started again, we were leading worship every Wednesday for our youth. We started leading worship on Sunday mornings. We got to lead worship for the, the main experience. We got asked to do a camp. We went and did a summer camp where there were over 500 students. We got to lead them in worship. And man, worship was just a huge part of my life. So much so that when I felt called to full-time ministry and I enrolled at Central Bible College, I enrolled thinking I was going to be a worship pastor. I thought God was calling me to be a worship pastor and a worship leader. And so when I enrolled, I was like, okay, that's what I'm going to be. I'm going to be a worship leader, leading people in worship. Matter of fact, when I went to college, I led worship in chapel. I also traveled in the summer. I mean, worship was like everything, everything that I did, leading worship. I even have my own worship CD. Some of y'all don't believe me. I do. I have my own worship CD. The, the name of the band was Scarlet Chord. We, were, we, we, we recorded this CD. We went to camps. We sold the CD. People, people were buying it. I have my own worship CD. Some of y'all don't believe me. So just to prove it to you, because I knew some of you wouldn't believe me, I have a little snippet, a little clip of the worship CD. I, I brought it here. I'm going to play it for you in a second. You're, this is going to be amazing. We're, we're about to have an amazing time here right now here. But I knew some of you wouldn't believe me, so I brought the CD, and so I'm going to play a little bit of it. And so why, why don't we go ahead and, and start. Matter of fact, my wife's on it. She's my backup singer. Believe it or not, my wife, who leads worship, does amazing. She was my backup singer. But okay, so here we go. Let's, let's play the CD. Oh, that's a hot guitar. Come on. You want to bob your head for Jesus right now. Here come the vocals. Check it out. That's me and Jamie right there. Come on, let's worship. Worship the Lord. Worship. Oh, that's beautiful. I mean, you hear the harmony. 
the mel- I mean, we were awesome. We- now here's the best part. Listen real closely. It's going to come up here in a few seconds. This is amazing. It's coming up. Right here. Listen how awesome this is. Okay, you can cut it. <laughs> that is a worship CD that we made and sold. And check this out. We basically got our youth band together, went in some dude's living room, and in one day, we recorded 17 worship songs. Now, if you know anything about recording, you don't use a day to record one song. I mean, it is a long process. We hammered it out to the fact that we didn't even get to edit out little mess-ups as you heard right there. But we did. We went to camps. We sold a few. Actually, I think my family bought a lot of them, but, you know, and they still listen to it, so they make me feel good. They're like, we still listen to that CD. So, so I know you're all going to want copies, so afterwards... Notice I messed up and my wife did not. And so that's obviously why she is the amazing worship leader. And then just come to realize that, you know what, I, I, God wanted me to be a youth pastor and preach. And I, I can kind of sing if I have to. I'm like the emergency backup. Like every singer in the church is like gone. And, and you know, and, and even, you know, even more. I, I, that probably wouldn't even happen. But anyway, I got a little bit there. But you know what, worship was a big part of my life. And today I want to share with you three truths about worship that will help us have success in 2010. Three truths about worship that will help us have success in 2010. The first truth is this. Worship is a lifestyle. Worship is a lifestyle. And I'm going to share with you a passage of scripture today dealing with Paul and Silas, and we're going to get to look at their life, at a situation they were in where worship blessed them and how worship helped them. Acts chapter 16, verse 23 through 25. It says, after they, talking about Paul and Silas, had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders... He put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. What I love about Paul and Silas is that they lived lives of worship. They lived lives of that honor God. Everything they were about was about bringing glory to God, even to the point that after they had been flogged. Now, now again, I want you to get some here. Flogging was not like a slap on the wrist. This was one of the most brutal beatings a person could endure. And it says after they were severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. Their lives were so worshipful. Their worship was a lifestyle that even in that moment, they worshiped. God, they prayed and sang hymns unto God. See, worship to them was more than than a a corporate setting, a weekly corporate setting. And and, and that is very important, and I'll get to that later. Our corporate setting here together is, is very important. But they also realized that worship was a part of their lifestyle. It was, a part of their, it, was, it was a part of who they were, the way they lived. Everything they did was to bring glory, honor, and attention to God, even in the midst of being beaten. Now, now, now let's 
be honest here. Again, after being flogged and thrown into prison, worshiping God, giving glory to God could easily have been the furthest thing from their mind. You know what I mean? Like sleep probably would have been nice or at least complaining and moaning of of the pain and and the hurt that they were in. Worship could easily have been the, the least thing on their mind after receiving this beating. I mean, I mean, I look at myself. I'm a mess when I'm sick. I mean, see, I, I'll admit to you, I'm one of those people, like, when I'm sick, I'm, like, in bed, and I'm like, Jamie. <laughs> She's, like, off in the kitchen with Jace. What? Jamie, I'm sick. She's like, so? Bring me a grilled cheese. She's like, Chris, you're a... Please, your grilled cheese are the best. They'll make me feel better. I mean, I don't want to get it. I don't want to, you know, I am a mess. I'm like, can you bring me some juice? I mean, I sound like Jace. Juice, juice. I mean, I am a big old baby. I wonder if there's some wives that could testify to their husbands that are a little bit uh, babyish like me when it comes to that. I am, I'm a big baby. I want to stay in bed under the covers. I don't want to get out. I want everything brought to me. Y'all got to you know, pray for my wife. She's such, she's such a blessing. I'm, I'm a big baby. I'm, you know, last thing I want to think about doing is, is worshiping or, or praising God. But Paul and Silas here, man, they had learned the importance of living a lifestyle of worship, which meant that even in one of their darkest times, even in one of their most painful situations, through a very difficult time, what did they do? They defaulted to worship. They did the only thing that they knew how to do. They did the thing that was a part of who they were, a part of their lifestyle. Who, who they were at all times was worshipers. And so in that moment, that's what they did. See, being a worshiper means you worship during the good times, We live a life of worship during the bad times. We live a life of worship all the time. And this can be challenging because, you know, when good things happen, man, it's easy to praise God. But we get that raise at work. We're worshiping. We're praising. We're thanking Lord. I mean, some of you may not normally do this, but in your work setting, you may even shout out, hallelujah. But then when you lose your job, you're shouting a little something different than hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I understand you probably wouldn't hallelujah losing a job, but you can still handle it in a way that you worship and honor God. Man, when things are good with our marriage, we're happy, we're, we're praising God, but what happens when the marriage gets rough? Or a spouse leaves. See, our lifestyle should be worship. That everything we do during good times, bad times, all the times, honors and brings glory to God. See, true worship is being so close, so devoted, so in love with God that our daily lives bring glory to Him. That our daily lives bring attention to Him. Again, during the good times, the bad times, all the time. Our lifestyle should worship God. First truth, worship is a lifestyle. The second truth is this, worship leads to change. The second truth is worship leads to change. Our lifestyle should be worship, but then also our worship can lead to change. Back to Paul and Silas, Acts 16, verse 25 through 26. Again, it says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. 
Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. Here's Paul and Silas. Again, they're going through a difficult time. They've been beaten. They've been thrown in prison, but they're still honoring God, bringing glory to God. And in the midst of that, in the midst of their worship, God sends an earthquake that shakes the foundation. It sets them free. It it removes their chains. See, through worship, their circumstance was changed. See, Paul and Silas went into that cell as bruised and broken prisoners, but they left that cell free. They left the cell free. And I know that maybe we're not in a physical prison, but life can be tough. Some of us right now, life is tough. It may feel like we're in a prison, going through difficulties, facing difficulties. If life is great right now, you know what? At some point, life probably will get difficult. You have to go through tough things. And and we're all going to have those moments. We're all going to go through that. Maybe a, a, a thing similar to what Paul and Silas were going through. And here's the thing, when we come here on a Sunday morning, we come on a Sunday afternoon to this worship experience, we can come in here critical. We can come in here beat up, tired, unengaged, and we can also leave here beat up, tired, critical, unengaged, or we can worship and we can leave here free. We can leave here changed. See, the the power behind worship, when it comes to corporate worship, we can enter one way and leave another. We can come in with sorrow and leave with joy. We can come in mourning and leave dancing. We can come in with a frown and leave with it turned upside down. We can come in sick and leave healed. We can come in lost and leave with direction. We can come in bound and leave free. Free, there is freedom through worshiping and praising God just as Paul and Silas were set free through our worship. God can set, through their worship, God can set us free through our worship. This is why we dedicate a major part of our experience to worship. Every single week, a major part of our experience is time to worship and praise and and lift up the name of Jesus. And it's because worship is life-changing. It's an opportunity to connect With God, every week there's that opportunity through worship corporately to connect with God and for our lives to be changed. Now, I do understand that corporate worship can be challenging. It can be challenging because if you don't have a church background or some of you missed the very first time you you walked into a church and you come in and you see instruments and music, you hear songs that you've never heard of before, you see some people smiling, some some crying, some singing, some clapping, some got, got their hands lifted up. And let's, let's just be honest, I mean, if you've never experienced that, you can walk in, it's just kind of weird. It's just weird. I, I know for me, when I went, again, I didn't have a church background, so when I first came to a church that had worship, I mean, it freaked me out. I mean, I was kind of like, okay, what's, it was, un- like, I literally felt uncomfortable. I was like, okay, I don't fit in here. I'm just going to kind of stand here and just kind of, you know, just, and you know what I did? I just watched. I was a spectator. I mean, there was just some stuff going on. I was kind of like, huh, what, what are they doing over there? And then, and then there was that girl up there. I was like, oh, wow, she sings really good. And then there's that dude behind me. I'm like, okay, he thinks he can sing really good. Okay. 
Brother, bring it down, bring it down. Okay, you, you know what I mean? You, you're just distracted. I see people raising their hands. I didn't know if they had a question or to give them a high five. I mean, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know what was, I mean, it was all different. It was weird. It didn't make sense, you know? And so for, the, for a lot of time, I was a spectator. Every week, I just kind of, of watch. I'm, I'm, and I'm a people watcher anyway, so I'm watching everybody, kind of what they're doing, you know? And then I'm judging people. I'm like, she's crying. I mm, wonder what she did, uh, crying like that. And that's all I did. Man, I didn't even take part. But you know what? You know what? After I got saved and gave my life to Christ, I learned that this time of worship, it's a time to connect with God. It's not a time for me to be a spectator. It's a time for me to be a participator. It's a time for me to get engaged and, and be involved and to be plugged in. And so you know what? I started, I started to worship. And, and it, went, you know, it was gradual. At first I started to sing the songs you know, and, and, and allow them to mean something to me. And, you know, and then I started clapping, although I, I, I have a hard time staying on beat, so I have to watch somebody. You know, I'm like, all right, I got it. You know, and, you know, but I started clapping. You know, and even eventually, I, I got to raising my hands, but, but let me tell you, first time I raised my hands, it's funny. Some of you, you're elegant, you know what I mean? You're like, oh. You know, like, you got it down. Like, the, the first time, I, it was so uncomfortable. I was so nervous and scared. I was just praising him. I was like, okay, here we go. <laughs> Jesus, I'm just worshiping you. I don't care who's looking. I know my friend's looking at me right now. My hand is up, and I'm praising you. I don't care. I mean, no, it was weird. It was uncomfortable. It wasn't like this, but my hand up. I mean, I just had to fire it up there and just praise on Jesus because the Bible teaches us to lift holy hands, and it's a sign of surrender. And, and you know what? Now I love worship. I love worship because you know what? As I grew as a worshiper, worship became a huge part of my life, changing my life, helping me connect with God. Here's another reality for me. Man, when I got saved, I didn't have any Christian family. I didn't have any Christian friends. My, my Christian family was the church. My Christian family was the church. I mean, that was the place where I connected and, and grew and, and was able to worship together with others. And so, you know what, man? I was there almost every single week. And I, always, I never wanted to miss worship because, again, it was just a time for me to really connect with God. And you know what? Through my worship, man, God was able to speak to me and, and change me and, and mold me. And, and I was, it's, again, it's, a, it's two things. It's getting an amazing time from the worship, and then I was getting the message. And you know what, man? The church became like... My spiritual family, man, it was a place where I was always at. And my perspective changed. My perspective changed on worship. And, man, when that changed, my life started to change. And now today, man, I love to worship. Now, now I'm the one. People think I'm crazy. As soon as they walk in the back, they see some dude raising his hand, and they're like, what's he doing? But I, but I love it now. I, I love worship, and I, I love praising God. Every Sunday is an opportunity to connect to God through worship and a message. So important. We do it every single Sunday. And I challenge some of you. I challenge you as we go into 2000, as, as we're here now in 2010, man, make a commitment this year to have faithful church attendance, to be here every week with your church family, worshiping and praising God. I promise you, it's going to bless you. I promise you, every week, again, it's an opportunity to be blessed, to be changed. Don't miss out on your blessing. And I know there are times where we don't feel good and we don't want to come and we had a bad week and you have a blow up that morning with, you know, your wife or your kids. Oh, we're not going to church. You know, I know we have those moments and, and I had them. I, I tell you, I had, I had days like that. I had days where the football game was tempting me. Some of you, it's tempting you right now. You know, right now that football game is on. You're looking at updates on your iPhone. I, I know how it is. You know what I mean? Like, you're trying to worship, but you're looking down, checking that score. You need that fantasy points. I mean, I get all of that, but can I tell you, and I'm so thankful that I learned this. 
Because again, I didn't have no other church family. I was like, I'm never missing. Can I tell you the, the Sundays where I thought about skipping, missing, but made myself go, those were always the most amazing Sundays. Those were always the most amazing times where God reminded me time and time again, this is where you need to be. I don't care who's playing. I don't care what's going on. I don't care how. This is where you need to be with me, in my presence, with your church family. And through that, I was able to grow so, so much. And so I challenge you. I know it may be new. It still may be uncomfortable or a little uneasy. But man, come here. Make it a commitment to be here, to connect with God. God is going to bless you. See, worship is about us changing. Worship is about us changing. And when we change, our perspective will change. And then our situation can change. Let's go back to Paul and Silas. There is nothing they could do about their situation. They were arrested. They were beaten. They were thrown into prison. And so what did they do? They defaulted to who they were. They were worshipers. They were followers of God, followers of Christ. They had nothing else to do, and so they just worshipped Him. See, their perspective changed. They didn't moan and groan, complain, or boo-hoo about their situation. They worshipped God, and through that worship, God changed their situation. See, too often we try to take things into our own hands. If I make enough noise, if I get stronger, if I can find an escape route, it's all about I, 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 I. When everything we are needs to be about Him. That is true worship. When everything we are is about Him. When we live a life of worship and we corporately worship on a weekly basis with our church family, we will change. Our heart will change, our perspective will change. And when that happens, our situation will change. Worship is life-changing. Third and final truth is this. Our worship can impact the lives of others. Our worship can impact the lives of others. Acts chapter 16, again back to Paul and Silas, verse 29 through 34 the jailer was actually about to kill himself, and Paul and Silas shouted to him, no, don't do it. And this is where we pick up verse 29. It says, the jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately, he and all his family were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. This is probably my favorite part of this story. It's an amazing story from the beginning to end of how after being beaten and thrown in prison, God set them free and broke them out miraculously. But I love the part that because Paul and Silas were worshipers, they lived lives of worship. Because of that, a jailer and his whole family came to believe in God. 
See, everything we are, the way we live, the way we walk and talk is worship to God. And when others see our lives worshiping God, it can open their eyes to God's greatness and open their eyes to God's love. See, people see a difference in us through our worship. And so my question to you is, does our weekly worship match our Sunday worship? Because getting after it Sunday, but being a hot, screaming, grumpy, negative, no character, lack of integrity mess during the week, that's not worship to God. That's not worship to God. See, some of us have learned to do the Sunday and think that is all there, that's all there is to worship. But worship is also our everyday lifestyle. Matter of fact, a lot of people that don't know Christ don't see you in this setting. They see you in the Monday through Saturday. But let me tell you, if Sunday matches with Monday through Saturday, your worship will impact others. It will impact their lives. See, this worship here, it's, it's, it's very important, but it's, it's the cherry on the top of the cake. Our weekly worship, who we are, that is the whole cake, and the two should match. They should come together, and through that, God is going to reveal himself to others through our worship. See, our worship can impact our family, our friends, our workplace, and complete strangers. Because when we live a life of worship, we deflect all the glory and attention to God. And when people see him through us, it can change their life forever, just like it did for that jailer and his family. He saw Paul and Silas's worship. He saw them worship after they were beaten and thrown in prison. He then saw the miracle done in their life. And all of that, who they were, their worship, led to that jailer and his family's lives being changed forever. I want you to know that your worship, your lifestyle of worship, your corporate worship can have a powerful impact on someone's life. To the point that one day they'll come up to you and they'll say, just like that jailer did, what must I do to be saved? There's something about you. There's something different. I know you lost your job, but you're still happy and joyful. You're still involved at your church. Like, what is going on? What is it about you? And again, it's our worship because worship brings attention to God, not us. It's about Him and bringing glory to Him. And Monday through Sunday, we should do that on a personal level and on a corporate level. Our worship can impact the lives of others. And so I challenge you, first Sunday in 2010, be worshipers. Honor God with your daily life. Worship Him through the good, the bad. Worship Him all the time. Let your walk, your talk, your speech, your actions honor Him and bring Him glory. Our worship is a lifestyle. Corporately grow, engage, sing the songs, get involved. Or again, we're just lifting up His name, praising Him for how great and awesome He is. Through that, again, our lives can be changed. Anytime we get closer to God, our lives are changed. And then let your worship shine. Let people see you honoring living for God because it can impact their lives. It can change lives. I challenge you. Let's be worshipers. People who give God our all, our best. And I promise you, He'll bless us for it. Let's pray. If you'll bow your heads and close your eyes. Father.